We are I. History. You know, as I get a little bit older, a little bit wiser, you know, I stack years on my life, I feel like history starts to mean a little bit more to me. You know, and when we're younger, you know, is it necessary that we understand history and, you know, like where we've come from or, or is this what evolution has, you know, offered us? It's just to focus on like what's immediately happening right now so that you can be a part of writing future history. Because if you if you always prioritize history as a youth, is there progression in moving forward? Can you synonymously do both? Can you have advancement and can you appreciate the past, get entrenched in the past? Who knows? I'm sure that you know you could argue both sides in the middle on that one. But I just know for me, you know, when I was younger. I really just valued what was in front of me at that time. If that's right or wrong, that's subjective. But what I really do appreciate right now is is history. You know, and doing some of these hikes in BC, you know, really represent a rich culture of history. You know, I was listening to a, a podcast um, that Lex Friedman did on the weekend with, um, I can never remember his name. Oh, so evading me. But anyway, he wrote a book and, you know, one of the things that he was talking about, well, this gentleman, he wrote the book, The War on the West. And one of the things he was talking about is there's no there's no generation of people coming up to take the to replace these baby boomers that are leaving these spots of wisdom. There's nobody taking over that spot. What was taking over that spot is a generation of people who have theories you know, who want to change existence, but they don't want to talk about, they don't want to specialize in like these fields of absolutes. They don't want to, you know, specialize in, in history and talking about history and in, in these, you know, possible fun and exciting ways that can connect future generations with things like history, things like philosophy. You know, but when I go on these hikes and you know, specifically these ones in the south coast of BC that have something to do with the gold rush, You know, that 1848 trail where, you know, it's about gold miners, you know, and, and, you know, Indian conflict. It's about people who've come to the West and in this search for gold and this conflict with these people who have always been here who just appreciate the land. You know, it has to do with bootlegging and alcohol production and law enforcement and judges in in bc you know like this judge commissioned the rcmp to try to track down this bootlegger in the hills by boston bar and burn his house down that was the sole goal find this bootlegger burn his house down you know and then in kettle valley on the weekend you know i'm looking at the mountain i see this this weird thing in the side of the mountain and then to figure out and find out that, you know, the Kettle Valley Railway, you know, went through there. And this is one of the old gold mines. You know, I'm looking at this mountain, I'm thinking, you know, man, it's just, this mountain has such rich history. Like, there was once a time in life when this mountain was crawling with people, 
you know, from Chinese slaves to gold prospectors to businessmen to Canadians to Americans to law enforcement. Everything like it was just it was wild. It would have been wild to see the hills just crawling with people. You know, and then we find this sign that says, you know, beyond this point outside of the provincial park boundary, you know, like there's some there's some open mine shafts. You have to watch for this. Like some of them have been decommissioned, but there's still some out there that, you know, we are unaware of that haven't been decommissioned or we are aware of them and they haven't been. I was like, wow, you know, like that, that just speaks to me that that's adventure right there. My mind immediately goes to where's my pack. I need to go. You know, so the, the next day we pack up and <clears throat> we head into the hills randomly walking on. There's no trails completely off trail following this little game trail up, see a nice white tailed deer, you know, bouncing around in a, in a meadow because now we're in, you know, sparsely, you know, covered treed landscape. It's a lot more desert like condition here. Rock Creek, BC, which is just so rich with history itself. Then all of a sudden I'm climbing up this hill and I look and I see all of this, this aggregate, you know, like it looks like crushed aggregate and there's nothing else like it around. But it's this nice ledge. I'm like, wow, I'm like, what a great lookout spot. I wonder if you can see and look back down the valley at Rock Creek. You know, so we go trekking up this mountain, you know, we get to the spot standing there looking out at, you know, like the valley that just has the most amazing view and looking down at my feet and just like wondering, like, why is all this crushed rock here? You know, then I turn around, I look up and I see the, you know, maybe 100 more meters to go till we get to the summit of this little mountain. You know, the whole mountain's only, you know, 400 meters itself. Walk a little bit, you know, maybe about six or seven feet. And all of a sudden, I realize the reason why all this crushed aggregate is there is because the fresh air shaft to these mine, this mine, this gold mine that's in this mountain is right at my feet. No warning sign, no great, no nothing. Just this pit that's probably hundreds of feet deep. You know, that's as wide as half of a car. Something you could very easily fall into. Something that's like a funnel. You know, just a slow descend till you get to the edge of this hole that you can't even get within, you know, four or five feet of because you would most likely slip and fall into this hole. So then I'm looking down at this rock as I'm holding this rock in my hand and I realize that I'm looking at the edges of this shaft. You know, of these men that with pickaxes chipped and chiseled away at this rock. You know, they toiled at this mountain, you know, day in and day out, night and day through the rain, through the snow, through the heat. You know, it's 33 degrees there this weekend. And you would think being at the end of a pickaxe, smashing that pickaxe into rock, into pure hardened rock. And look at all these pieces that are, you know, maybe the size of, I don't know, the the palm of your hand or less. Just every time, crack, crack. 
crack and a piece falls off, gets loaded into a bucket. That bucket gets wheeled up, you know, in a pulley system in a tripod that's probably at the top and then gets tossed into this pile. What's underneath this pile? Would would you find an old pickaxe if you just started cleaning away this rock to see what was underneath this rock? Like, would there be artifacts of these men that worked here? Then you get into the dark part of this when you come to the realization that it, it most likely wasn't these, these white men, these prospectors that were looking for gold. It was more these, these Chinese slaves that you know, were working for you know, pennies on the day of if that. You know, that were you know, the guinea pigs to walk into a mine with a bottle of nitroglycerin to be able to blast and would most likely be dead. The expected survival rate, I'm sure, had to be nil. You know, but it wasn't a lot of the men who chiseled away at this rock, this rock that I was now holding into my hand, you know, were men that were, were forced, horrible living conditions, malnourished in these extreme weather conditions, you know, and all in a quest for gold that they will never see that they will never really prosper from. You know, and I'm thinking, even if I have this narrative wrong, even if it was, you know, a bunch of white men who are chiseling away at this mine, this rock, this mountain, 100, 150 years ago during the gold rush here in BC, even if it was those men that would have been financially prospering if they did find gold in this mine, it most likely wasn't. We know this. It most likely wasn't, you know, because they forced, you know, Chinese labor, they forced Indian labor, they forced other people in these horrific conditions to be able to mine and chisel away at these mountains, you know, with the most rudimentary of hand tools to be able to do so. But you're standing there, you know, like holding this rock that now I have a piece of, of this rock that I've now brought home that I can have as a part of the collection of the amazing things that I have found when I've been adventuring in the backcountry. That is just such rich history, no matter what this history is. And I can speculate the, the history behind these rocks. I can speculate how and why this got there. And I have a pretty good idea of one of the very few avenues that, you know, allowed this rock to come outside of this mountain and land at the feet in the pile that I'm now standing on. I can see the pulley system that was created at the top of this this shaft to allow the gases to be able to come out and the fresh air to circulate through this mine so that these men didn't suffocate to death on the inside or smash their, their pickaxe into this rock and create a spark and ignite all the gases that accumulated in these horizontal shafts. And then I get this realization that comes into my mind that the only thing that I really want to do now is find somebody who can set up a tripod here with repelling gear so I can go down into this shaft and I can see, I can put my hand on the wall, I can scrape my hands on the wall and I can see all the different places where this pickaxe is smashed into this wall to be able to chisel away at this shaft. You can lower me down. Am I going to find a you know, a black bear skull, or am I going to find, you know, chipmunk skulls? Am I going to find a human body? What am I going to find at the bottom of this shaft? 
because you know things have fallen into this shaft. Is there sub-shafts to be able to go into more horizontal shafts? Because there's going to be one main shaft, and you know there's going to be fresh air vents that go you know, out into other parts. So you don't have to worry about the collapsing of this mine shaft because it's vertical. It's completely exposed above you. You can go down with relative safety and just explore. Like this is this is the reason why this is the reason why I don't sit at home. This is the reason why I get in the car. This is the reason why I go on adventure. This is the reason why I put on my shoes. This is the reason why that I leave the trail behind. It's because you can find rich things like this when you don't even know when they're just there. It's like you know when I was in the the backcountry up by Stave Lake and I'm randomly walking through the forest, not even nowhere near a trail. And I see this railroad spike pounded into the side of a tree that I obviously had to take. That was from the days of logging these massive cedar trees, you know, hundreds of years ago. How could you not take that? How could you not have that a part of the collection? And matter of fact, the sitting here right beside me right now is a reminder of the reason why to be able to get out of the house and go on adventures. And I will obviously now put a piece of this, this rock, this granite, this aggregate beside this, this railroad spike is another reminder to be able to get out of the house and go on an adventure. So if I can... If I can offer yet again another reason why that exploring life is so important. It's because you just never know what you're going to find. 